Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome, everyone, to Beyond Surviving, the safe space for survivors of childhood sexual abuse to receive support, resources, and share their stories. Beyond Surviving is about freedom, healing, connection, and even laughter and fun. Most importantly, it's about letting go of the pain of abuse and finally moving on. I'm Rachel Grant, and for those of you who don't yet know me, I've been a sexual abuse recovery coach since 2007, and I'm the author of Beyond Surviving, the final stage of recovery from sexual abuse. To learn more about me and the Beyond Surviving program, please visit rachelgrantcoaching.com. Now, today, I'm so excited to have here with me my guest, Alma Chang, and she's really going to be talking with us about her journey healing from trauma, and certainly in these times, as we wrap up 2020, what a hell of a year it's been, <laughs> oh my goodness, with everything that's been going on, we're really going to take some time today to talk about self-care and healing and strategies and resources that, you know, that we've been finding ourselves cultivating and using to make it through this year and what we can continue to use to self-resource as we turn into 2021. So just a little more about Alma. She's an author of the graphic novel series, Janie Lou Rhymes with Pooh. Oh my goodness, cannot wait. Go check that out. Um, she's been a whistleblower after serving as a classroom teacher and vacation Bible school camp counselor in the Chinese Christian immigrant churches. Her training also includes winning recognition in community TV for her journalism. I love this. Her name, Alma, means soul in Spanish, and Chang is the last name of a beloved someone who gave her hope, even when that person could not help her escape her sexually abusive father for decades. 
Alma, welcome. I'm so glad to have you here on the show today. Thanks for being my guest. Thank you for having me as a guest, Rachel. I'm so honored. Thank you. So uh, I'd like to start out today just getting to know you a little bit more and your story and your journey. Um, one of the beautiful things I think about this space is that people do get to come and just tell their stories and we normalize that conversation. We continue, I think, to combat, you know, shame and all of these pieces and breaking the silence in the sense of, you know, telling our story and speaking our truths. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about your journey? Yes. Uh, I am drinking a mug of hot oolong tea, and this is a great way to dive into the story with a warm cup of tea. Oolong tea or jasmine tea is a very popular choice for, let's just say, you are a Chinese-American child growing up in the San Francisco area. Your parents if they're from Hong Kong, they would take you to tea houses, dim sum places, maybe San Francisco, maybe somewhere in Kearney Street in the middle of Chinatown, or maybe Oakland Chinatown. And that was my experience. There would be really mesmerizing push carts of steamed dumplings filled with bamboo and shrimp and the most delicate, translucent translucent folded pleats of a hagao. <laughs> and yeah. in those moments with the steam rising off that that tin teapot, that tin teapot, and dipping my, you know, big Chinese spoon, soup spoon into a dessert, there was a baked tapioca pudding with a filling that was so rich and gooey. It was red bean. The very top of it was brulee with a torch so that it had almost like a freckled surface. And I would spoon this delicious, comforting food into my mouth and think, why can't all my childhood be just this and, and not anything else? Well, dim sum was very part of, was part of the most wonderful, sensory, comforting experiences. It would last for hours. Um, my, my parents and their friends would chat and ignore me, which is lovely <laughs> because I could just meditate upon my food. And sometimes it would be family, friends, children, and we would sneak like a piece of, this is so bad, but really, really common, I'm sure, in the Chinese immigrant and Chinese American households, that since we're not being observed, and it's sort of like a kid's table is half of it, and the adult's table is the other half, we would sneak, sneak something like a roasted duck head into the teapot to like try to scare the waiter when he had That's the really fun part. But, you know, the tea would grow cold, Mm -hmm. We'd say our goodbyes, even though the family friends were not blood, I would say, I was coached to say, you know, goodbye, auntie, goodbye, uncles, good to see you, taught to be very polite. And then there was more coldness that would creep in. Mm -hmm. The coldness began when I was a passenger in my dad's car. 
the family would go to their separate bedrooms. I would go into mine, which is my canopy bed that is, um, had, I was an 80s kid, so strawberry shortcake was really popular, really yeah. popular. And I would um, get into my pajamas. The pajamas of the time were almost like um, if you would picture like an old fashioned Christmas time pajama um, with a little collar and a little um a little pink ribbon and on top of that because it was around this time of year chilly fall I wear a house coat mm. and go to sleep on like a quilted house coat that was sort of satiny and blue and I slide under the covers but make sure my door was closed and the coldness would creep in with my feet first and I close my eyes and I pray to God my doorknob would not turn in the middle of the night my dad would come into my room, sit on my bed, pull my sheets down, and pull up my nightdress. My dad was my molester. Um, when I was a child, I would talk to the, the Chinese church, tried to talk to my Sunday school teacher and the pastors. And I would be shut down very quickly. And I was told that the role of a child is to be obedient to parents. When I went to school, which was primarily a white school, the teachers just didn't want to hear about my immigrant problems. Mm. They're very dismissive and very othering. Also, unfortunately, my father was friends with um, law enforcement. So that was also a dead end. When my relatives came over for holidays, and there's a story that I tell um, on another podcast with one of your peers who also addresses child sex abuse, um, A Voice for the Innocent, host Jamie. Uh, I tell a longer story about what, it's, what it was like to have a, watch a PSA together with my auntie who was visiting from Minnesota and to tell her that dad was hurting me in that way. But the interest and priority of the family was a train of immigration, um, family members from, from Hong Kong. And that was the same priority in the church circles as well. So as far as that was being hurt, it was more important that my dad gave to the church. It was important in assisting with immigration. Um, as a result, um, as a result, I've had so many mixed feelings about my heritage. I was right, born and raised here. I didn't really receive that protection as far as the assimilated American side of me, as far as law enforcement that I could talk to or public school teachers that would intervene. That didn't happen. And there's the other side because I'm raised biculturally, right? As a child of an immigrant, that safety, that warmth was not like that, you know, that dim sum tea house where mm -hmm. you scoop that wonderful tapioca pudding. It wasn't that warm and comforting. It was, 
you know, shut up. There's something more important that, than you that is happening. There's something bigger than you. You know, just you're not important. Um, that extended even further into my growing up years where I joined a different um, Asian organization that was also religious. It was the Korean American uh, conservative Christians on a college campus. And the same thing was repeated. I don't want to hear it. Whatever physical went on, the most important thing was you honor your parents and you don't know the immigrant struggle. Excuse me, I'm a minor. I'm telling you something. Right. Shut up. Don't want to hear about it. So that really, again, that, that heartache, that heartache was there. But it doesn't end there, Rachel. It doesn't end there. As far as realizing what that meant was that I had to postpone. I had to postpone that idea that I would find comfort and safety necessarily in my assigned tribe. That's what I call it. Ethnicity is an assigned tribe. But your, your extended friends and your chosen family can be from any, any tribe, right? Yes. So the, the happier, the uplift of this story is that I, I found a lot of comfort and welcome, welcome in the historically black churches where there were wonderful, warm role models of healthy, sane, wholesome father figures. And that is just the beginning of wonderful healing. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Alma, what a gift you've given us today in sharing your story. I'm so present to and can really connect with many pieces of your story. Uh, though we come from different backgrounds, right? Growing up in Oklahoma. <laughs> um, but a lot of the, I mean, I, I was so there with you just in like the family moment, like family dinners, those, all of that was really a big part of my growing up as well. Family reunions. I could taste everything you were describing. <laughs> it was so visceral. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, the places where we hope to find comfort and care and nurturing. And I think your story so beautifully captures what I think is one of the hardest things we deal with in the context of experiencing sexual trauma by a relative, by a family member, is that we have this duality of experience, the warmth and the cold, and this longing for uh, to eradicate all of the coldness and just to be safe. I find myself feeling very angry about all of the ways in which you were deprioritized, the ways in which your experience was being dismissed, the um, priorities of protection were not in, in place and were not in, in order. And, um, and I think, you know, certainly the lens that you bring, which um, I think is unique uh, outside of my experience is, yeah, when we have this, um, there's something that feels at stake culturally um, as a family and how that adds this whole other layer 
um, to how people are responding or reacting to what's going on within the family. Thank you for your words, Rachel. And thank you for, for your book, Beyond Surviving, the guidebook. Um, thank you for your personal account, because I know that you relate. Um, I really feel this way that we're, you know, we're sibs from another crib. Totally. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Survivor sisters, you know, and, and that's the other thing. I Yeah, it's like, you know, we have uh, so these things in common and then, you know, something that I wish didn't bond us, but that does, right. you know, is this experience of trauma and how we just hear and understand each other without having to do a whole hell of a lot of explaining. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I think that's a real gift. And, and I think, you know, in my own healing and, and so, you know, through the Beyond Surviving program, I think this is one of the, the reasons why telling our stories is is so, so healing because that sense of we're not alone, you know, and what I'm going through, like, I'm not crazy. It's not, you know, uh, I'm just not all, you know, fucked up. It's just like, this is, this is the outcome of trauma. And what's also beautiful in your story is that this place in which you have found a place of belonging. Um, boy, that is something we so long for, right? And we have to sometimes seek out and find and create, right, our family of choice because what we were given um, in birth didn't get the job done and mm-hmm. isn't a resource or a place that we can go to for safety or for nurturing or for protection. And I think the work, I guess one question that's coming to mind as, as we're talking that through a little bit is, you know, one barrier to that often is when our family of origin is a source of pain and trauma, finding our way to being willing to forge new relationships and to trust that other people won't be the same. Is there anything that you can point to that's been particularly helpful or like a tool or a mindset um, or just a way that you've approached that that's made it possible for you to build connection in your life and connect into community in the ways that you have? I love that question so much. Well, my one of my therapists likes to say, sometimes dogs just shit on your lawn. Yeah. <laughs> it's not your fault, girl. Right. It's not your fault. Right. And I appreciate that chapter in your book, Beyond Surviving, that guidebook where you create a new interpretation for an event that happened. And I won't do any spoilers <laughs> at all. But as far as reframing, going to a therapist has really helped me mm-hmm. over the years. And it wasn't just running to my very first uh, therapist, because my very first therapist um, really let me down. Um, and, um, this is a a repeat of what I told at a voice for the innocent podcast, but just to make it really short while I was a teen and it was still in the town where I lived with my parents, I tried to find a counselor, a a therapist, sliding scale, you know, I only have what a teen makes in my pocket, right? Exactly. And I'll just call the the counselor 
Beatrice. Um, Beatrice had just taken sensitivity training. Mm. Uh, she was very proud of telling me that. Oh, boy. And she said that she uh, is now trained to handle diverse diverse trauma. Uh-huh. And the reason why I laugh is because when I told her about what her what my dad was doing to me, her idea was to break out a reading list of Amy Tan books, starting with the Joy Luck Club. And she said, if you only understood your family's history and generations going back, then you would, you know, have more understanding. So she completely othered me as far as like any minor coming in to tell you I am being raped. The response is not, let's look at literature. (laughs) So It goes further um, Mm. in that she said, well, this is what I want you to do. Read up, have some empathy for your immigrant parents. And then if you really need to, here's my number in case things get really bad. Things got really bad one night. Uh, My mother was slapping me and choking me. My dad came in to join in the party to, to kick me. And I called Beatrice and Beatrice called the cops. The cops came in, looked at my looked at my bedroom. There was all a shambles from my parents kicking everything down, and said, "This is a a, a white cop mm. looking at an Asian model minority family living in a very nice zip code, very nice zip code." Mm-hmm. And my my dad's a chemist. Mm. Uh, both my parents are college educated. That has nothing to do with their strangling, <laughs> but uh, the cops said. Um, Peter, Jackie, you have three other children. This one's a lost cause. This one's out of control. Take my card if you need me. Oh, Elma. That was my first rush with therapy, but I didn't give up. <laughs> didn't give up. Yeah. Also, mm-hmm. I did not assign meaning to Beatrice being from a certain tribe as being like unempathetic. She's she's just an outlier. She's just an outlier, right? The cops were an outlier, but there is a bit of a cultural like there is a a pattern happening. There is an othering. Yeah. Um, There is an othering happening. Um, Wow. Maybe pause for a moment. (laughs) Yeah, take some of that. Get some drink. (laughs) Nourish. (laughs) Take a little breath. Take a little break. Man, those memories and those moments, you know, while clearly you, you know, you've done your work and you've done a lot of healing. Yeah, of course, when we think back to these times when we've been so just mishandled and, you know, it's just unfathomable to me still today, like how dumb so many therapists can be. Nice way. Like my first experience with therapy was also trash and severe, and we continued. And I, I guess that's really what I'm hearing is ultimately, it's the like, okay, that person disappointed me. Who's like opportunity for next? And just trying to stay in that space of openness and willingness to, you know, not assign full meaning and globalize, right? Like all people are going to be this way. All people are going to let me down. All people are going to hurt me. So um, I want to take just a little break here. And then when we come back, let's start to dig into how are we making it through this pandemic and some of these self-care practices 
um, that you've found um, to be really helpful and useful during these times. Are you ready to put your fears of abandonment behind you so you can have happy, healthy relationships? The fear of abandonment is extremely common in those of us who have been abused. When it comes to abandonment, we are very much driven by the fear of the unknown. We don't know if the people we are connecting to may one day withdraw their protection or support. People always leave can be a common inner belief we hold. Boy, have I been there. And I am going to share with you what helped me put an end to this paralyzing fear in my Overcome the Fear of Abandonment Masterclass. By downloading this masterclass, you will gain access to my proven process that will help you feel more confident and secure so you can have relationships that last. I'll also help you identify the toxic behaviors that keep you trapped in a cycle of abandonment and fear, and I'll also help you explore strategies for putting an end to sabotaging all your relationships. Go to rachelgrantcoaching.com slash abandonment dash class to get your mp3 of this masterclass today now back to our show awesome welcome back everyone so alma we are facing you know trauma on top of trauma in 2020 uh, you know and for those of us who have experienced you know trauma in some ways it, it just feels like so what's different <laughs> but at the same time this is a, a this is a different experience and we are a, you know living through something that most of us have never ever lived through um, before and so I'd love to hear just a little bit about what have you been noticing as far as self-care practices that have been really helping you during this time I'd like to share a story about that awesome well, in the very beginning of the pandemic, I moved from the West Coast to the East Coast. And I brought with me seedlings. I mailed soil to myself. And I decided I wanted to make sure that I had everything I needed to build a sustainable food garden mm. for the pandemic. And also it's my self-care routine. Mm -hmm. Feed myself. If I have surplus, then feed my neighbors. But my idea was to do this independently. And I, I think um, you might know where I'm going with this. So I wanted to build a sustainable food garden all by myself on the patio. And then within a month of being here in the Atlanta area, on Earth Day, mind you, Earth Day, Around 10 p.m., someone came to my patio and roach sprayed all my food plants, Come saturated on. the soil, destroyed everything. You know, if I were to eat from any of the contaminated leaves, roots, the soil, I mean, it, I, I'm likely to get sick. On that can left behind said, germ killer wow and on that can it says you know do not use on plants you're meant to eat mm -hmm. right right I'm not gonna interpret uh what that person was up to mm -hmm. but I 
the police decided to call it criminal trespass, but leads were exhausted. So what was I to do? It's very much to me a metaphor of how I handle my childhood abuse. Mm. If I eat from it, it'll make me sick. So it's a hard choice, but I had to scrap it. And oh boy, did I, I, I grieved. I really grieved. But I thought, wait a minute. I tried to go at this project all alone. Because as you know, and also in your guidebook, you talk about the faulty belief that we have as childhood sex abuse initially victims and then beyond survivors. We have this mindset we're trying to undo. We have to go it alone right. independently. It's like, hmm, what am I going to do? Decided to step out and trust. And I use this app called Nextdoor, which connects you with neighbors. And I posted, I said, hey, guys, I'm a gardener. I'm new in town. This happened. And the response was, bleepity, bleepy, bleep. That's not how we treat people in this town. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, at least 11 people um, messaged me and said, dearie, it's pandemic. I'm wearing my mask. I'm going to wave at you from my from indoors, but at the end of my driveway are replacement plants, and please come wow. by my house. Here's my address. 11 people did that. Oh. Replacement plants. In addition, before I went back to sleep that night by 3 a.m., a couple met, private messaged me and said, hey, this makes me really burned up, really burned up. But I want to tell you uh, there's a community garden. You might not have thought about it, but we provide resources, protection, and camaraderie. It's like, why does this sound wonderfully familiar? Like the adult survivors of child abuse meetup group. <laughs> right. <laughs> we're behind a fence. Yeah. And we look out for each other. Join us. So that's what I did. I did garden number two on my patio with the replacement plants but also rented a plot in, uh, in my town of Decatur, which is a suburb of Atlanta. And I've been investing time there where I weed, I mulch, I, um, I take advice from more seasoned, seasoned uh, gardeners. And again, every tribe is represented there. <laughs> Mm. And I'm reminded how welcome I am. And we handle trespass, criminal trespassing and vandalism together. Because nice. that still happens. It yeah. still happens. Yeah. But we handle it together. And that metaphor is just so perfect because um, it, in the adult survivors of childhood abuse meetup that I belong to, that we, we both are familiar with, mm. the idea is you do not recover in a vacuum. 100%. What I absolutely love about this story, Alma, is that your self-care practice has everything to do with being with other selves. <laughs> <laughs> and it's really fascinating because it's often the case that I'm just noticing in my own framework, like this just expanded even for me, like, oh, yeah, 
self-care often feels like this thing that we do on our own, like, you know, journaling and meditation and going for a walk and taking a bubble bath. And I think, you know, we've talked on other shows about how self-care can also be things like taking care of your finances, right. And taking care of your home and these sorts of things. But, um, but the idea that self-care is also about being with other selves and joining in community and how nourishing and replenishing and supportive that is, and particularly in a time when we are so isolated and connecting is that much harder, but finding the places and spaces where you can do that and do that safely, sounds like that's really been so critical to you as you've moved into this new area and um, as you've been navigating all the challenges that have been, you know, a part of 2020. I mean, that is so, so accurate. Um, it's like a self being with other selves in a safe <laughs> way, completely masked and most likely beyond six feet apart, more like 12 feet apart. Mm-hmm. We're yelling at each other. How's your garden best doing over there? And, and also it's been so useful for me to hear mm-hmm. the challenges for example, yeah. um, a, a fellow gardener would say, you know, hey, Renee, I'm really bummed. Like my eggplants were stolen again. I was really looking forward to having it for dinner. Don't they know that I'm a senior citizen? Why are they doing this to me? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, it's not right that they did this, you know, and but, but we have access to some communal, uh, some communal food as well. But hearing this is like, it's not just me. Not that I want misfortune to happen to other people. It's like, I see how people walk through and walk together yeah. through through hardship and setbacks like that. And also mm-hmm. there's funny comical things. You mentioned laughter, right? There's like, oh, hey, hey, look at this. It's a yeah. completely spherical squash. It looks like a billiard ball. Right. Would you like it? Right. It's like, wow, well, this is so rad. Thank you. And oh, then yeah. in turn... The replacement plants that I receive from the other neighbors that are not part of the community fenced-in garden, it is just, oh my goodness. This past summer, I had so many delicious cucumbers to slice up thinly Mm. and then sweeten with brown sugar and vinegar and put a little garlic in it, a little sesame, a little soy. I had cucumbers throughout the the summer that I, I could give some away. And also something that was so small, like in the palm of my hand, was a lemon balm plant. Some people put it in their tea. Mm. It's the little leaves, and it's a wonderful citrus smell, even though there's no, there's no lemon that comes from it. But that bloomed into, wow, into a shrub, into a shrub. Yeah. able to give that to others. Just when you think you're so depleted. It's just a wonderful metaphor. So depleted. You got nothing to give. It's like, hey, you know, we're always creating compost with our debris. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, this is so literal, too. We're always yeah. creating compost or debris. We have a way to amend the soil. We can do this together. We yeah. can share these resources. And um, very much like this, here in Atlanta, I've had the opportunity to be a part of the meetup the adult survivors of childhood abuse. I meet with them by Zoom every Sunday that I can. And then now I've actually, um, tomorrow I start my training to be a facilitator. I love it. I'm so excited about that for you. Yes. 
Absolutely. Oh my goodness. So, you know, it's, it's fascinating because right across the street from where we live, there's a community garden and my partner is a landscaping gardener. And so he's often out there and we just kind of donate volunteer our time um, to keep that space up. And this, when the pandemic started and he had time off, he got so inspired to build in some, it was just kind of a dirt pads. And he went out and he built and constructed this whole kind of art. He's also a very good artist and um, a great artist, really. And so anyway, he's moved that artistry um, from landscape, from canvases to landscapes. Long story short, he built this circle, um, a half moon, kind of crescent moon um, imagery with benches in circle with six feet apart and um, being able to just walk out the door and sit down and be with neighbors and talk has been definitely a lifesaver for me through this time. Getting our hands into the earth. I think all of the metaphors that you're sharing there about the ways in which we can plant new seeds, we can turn the soil, you know, we can start fresh, we can start new. We might have, you know, have to tear up some weeds and tear some things out or discard some things, but that we can, you know, create things that are, you know, that smell good and look good and taste good and how nourishing that can be, you know, to the soul. I love that. Yes. Yes, and quite literally, the Chinese vegetables that were destroyed in what I call Garden One. Yeah. Garden Two, the seedlings from non-Asian like garden family included bok choy. So in this cold weather, there is bok choy growing in my in my bed, and I was just thinking. Bok choy doesn't have to, it's not really owned by the Chinese. It's owned by the human family. <laughs> owned by the human family. And that just restores so much healing. So much healing. Yes. Yeah. And, <laughs> and what a beautiful thing, too. I just want to reiterate how wonderful. For those of you listening, if you're not familiar, um, Adult Survivors of Child Abuse is a, a kind of a, a formatted program where it's very peer-based, peer-supported. I do an adapted version of that program once a month, which you can learn more about rachelgrantcoaching.com slash A-S-C-A. That's a monthly support group that's donation-based. Um, but if you search around, I think the website is ASCA, A-S-C-A virtual Support. Oh my gosh, I'm not remembering the exact website these days, but you can search around and they have meetings all over the country. And so, um, yeah, you can go and check that out. Sorry, Rachel, I, I'm walking towards my charger. For some reason, my, my laptop is waiting. Awesome. So Alma, as we start to kind of wrap up here today, um, I want to I want everyone to know that um, Audio Listening Magazine has this you know thing going. Can you tell us a little bit about um, it's nominate a neighbor uh, oh, Audio oh, Listening fun. Magazine? Thank you for bringing that yeah. up. Thank you for bringing that up. So Audio Listening Magazine is a con like a sorry let me re rephrase that so audio listening magazine is a way for me to continue to exercise my journalism and to 
continue what I started when I was in film school, which is researching the podcaster's journey. So Audio Listening Magazine, when you nominate a neighbor, it's very much patterned after StoryCorps, mm-hmm. um, where it's ordinary people telling a story with a beginning, middle, and end to appear. Me. I'm just another neighbor. Um, but it's never an ambush. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's always something that it's really important on the other person's heart that they wanted to talk about. And I'm just there to facilitate and ask follow-up questions. And it's almost like, Rachel, it's like this question, like, what do you wish someone would ask you? They just don't ask you. (laughs) It's that. So that's Audio Listening Magazine. And what I just added was just like the idea of like neighbors. Mm. You know, what are some stories that are important to you? You know, are you hanging in there? You know, what are you doing to, to hang in there? Or uh, specifically here in Decatur, one of my guests um, is an operations manager of a little park called Legacy Park. And Legacy Park is built on a former children's home. It's a former orphanage. And my guest, neighbor Dorsey, he was a resident there. He was a former resident of the children's home and he talks about how he grew up to be a very kind man and how he learned that from um, experiencing a not so kind father. Mm, Wow. Sounds amazing and powerful. So for everybody listening, I'll make sure that the link is in the show notes so you can go and check that out. Also be sure to check out, um, Alma's graphic novel, Janie Lou Rhymes with Pooh, and learn more about that. And I just, again, really want to thank you for being here today, for sharing your story, to helping us think about all the ways in which we, even in strange and unusual times, can connect and find joy and nurture and care for ourselves. Um, So thank you again for being my guest today. Thank you, Rachel, for being a beyond survivor and offering this platform to help others. Thank you. Awesome. For everyone listening, thank you as well for tuning in, for joining us today. Don't forget to visit rachelgrantcoaching.com to learn more about sexual abuse recovery coaching and to explore the other resources available on the site. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a note or comment, uh, and come back next time because we have so much more to share. And until then, take good care of you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.
Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.